0: All right. Hey, Jess, welcome to Align and Grow Rich. I, as with everyone, I'm really excited to have you here and I'm really excited for the conversation. So first I want to start out by saying happy new year because you're officially the first recording of 2023. So happy new year. Happy new year to you. Thank you. So before we get into the meat and potatoes of every single episode, I always ask for people to introduce themselves and tell us, your zone of genius is sure well
1: thank you so much for having me and for being the first interview of 2023 this is so exciting um <laughs> my name is jess glazer de rose i am the cvo visionary officer and founder of digital business evolution as well as the podcast host for digital business evolution we are a one-stop-shop company that helps everyone really anyone with an idea a skill set or some level of expertise take that and turn it into profit online so we focus on digital marketing and organic growth course creation uh, programs, anything like that, launching and my zone of genius. Let's see. I used to be an elementary school teacher, so I have an affinity for seeing talent and creating curriculums. I'm very good at taking difficult concepts and making them easy to understand.
0: I love that. So what's interesting is I was just listening to a podcast because I'm like a podcast freak. (laughs) I would listen to a podcast before I listened to music. And there were a couple of coaches on this particular podcast. And one of them was saying that she believes in 2023 that the coaching space, a lot of people are going to be leaving the space, right? Because a lot of people became coaches in 2020. It was, oh my God, I just lost my job. So I have to figure this out what skill do I have? And let me monetize that. Are you really seeing that in, in, uh, in the line of work that you do that coaches are like, okay, this is no longer working and going back to work.
1: That's interesting. So I've actually been selling things online for 10 years Mm -hmm. and I'm not new to the coaching space at all. I've been full-time in the coaching space as an entrepreneur with my husband for six years. So definitely not new. I would say 2020 was definitely a unicorn year. That's what we like to call it. So the coaching space exploded. And if you were like myself set up in a way that you were already doing it and you could really, I don't want to use the word capitalized because that sounds negative, but if you were set up in a way that you could serve more people and help these people transition online, which is where we were, then we saw a lot of success. We had a lot of clients that year. And so, yes, the bubble sort of expanded really big. I don't know that... I don't believe that there are more people leaving the space now than had ever left before. I think there were just more people that entered the space, so maybe it feels like more people are leaving, but the way that I see it is the there always have been people that have left, and with our signature program Empower, we always see people that come in and we say there's There's clarity and contrast. So by tasting olives, you learn if you like olives, right? The contrast of tasting something or trying skydiving, it's like the sheer experience of doing or trying something is what helps you see whether you like it or you don't like it. So we've always had a number of people that would come through our program and say, well, I thought it was what I wanted to do, but now I know I actually don't want to. I don't want to be the face of it. I don't like using social media. I don't want to be on all the time, whatever that might be or I don't want to be a leader. I don't want to have a team. I thought I wanted to scale, but what that actually means is all these other things that I would have to do that I don't want to do. So I don't, I don't know that there are more people leaving. I think that there were just more people that came in. And so naturally the number of people that would sort of fall off or pivot away, I think the percentage is probably the same.
0: Yeah, uh, I thought that was just an interesting um, observation that she made. And I yeah. really feel like the point, but I haven't finished the episode. So I think <laughs> the point that she was trying to make is that, I hate to say this, but some people just don't need to be coaches. No, you know, what I mean? and it's a lot harder than people think. It is, it yeah. really, really is. And I think that people saw it as an opportunity yes. as I can make money really, really quick quickly, but not realizing that this is work in real life. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, you're literally starting a business. And I think there's a misconception between I can start an Instagram account or put up a cute picture and make money. And that is not the reality. And I think that we collectively have done the mistake of, of sharing that as the image right? This sexy image of laptop lifestyle, working on the beach and whatever it is, which if you've ever tried to sit on a laptop on the beach, it's a horrible experience. <laughs> it is because of lighting and it can overheat all of the things. Yeah. Yeah. But what it really is, and this is where we come in with a holistic one-stop shop approach. It's okay, if you want to actually be a coach, if you want to start an online business, that's no different than starting a brick and mortar business. You need to have your legal stuff set up, your financial stuff set up. You're now doing marketing sales. You're doing customer fulfillment support. I mean, there's so many different departments that you're really working for, especially as a solopreneur and it does suck the fun out of it really fast. So yeah, I (laughs) I don't, I don't think it's as easy as people think. And I don't think everybody's cut out for it. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a way that we need people to work nine to five jobs. Like we need to have both. Not everyone should be an entrepreneur. And it has been trending for a couple of years. And I I do believe to the point of this podcast you were talking about, I do believe that people are seeing the other side of it now. And people are seeing that, oh, I don't have to be an entrepreneur because everybody is right now. I actually don't want to. I like the security and safety Mm -hmm. of having a job and a steady paycheck and having a boss telling me what to do.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. what what do you think? I think that everyone should ha- analyze their not only their skill set, but also their desire to become an entrepreneur. So, yeah. what are some questions or boxes that they need to check off, yeah. uh, you know, to determine whether or not you should go into entrepreneur, go towards coaching entrepreneurship, or just stay at your nine to five? Because I think that's important.
1: Yeah. I think there's a couple things. So Tony Robbins teaches the core elements or like the core human needs. I think there's six of them, certainty, uncertainty, growth, um, give back contribution, stuff like that. When you can start to really understand yourself and understand what drives you and what your core values are, it's a lot easier to make any decision in life. So when I left my teaching job in 2017, the re- one of the reasons I left was I started to very quickly learn eight years in the teaching in, you know, public schools and that teaching routine I actually felt like I was drowning. I felt like I was suffocating the consistency, security, and safety of every year being the same. It felt for me very much like a merry-go-round. And I didn't like knowing what was coming. I didn't like the it's October. We have, you know, back to school night. It's assembly time. It's field day time. When I started to learn that I actually thrive in uncertainty, I love variety, and that's a core value of mine. Then I could almost lean into that as a superpower. So I think step one is really understanding yourself and without judgment, asking yourself questions of, you know, what's most important to me? Is it certainty and safety, or is it uncertainty and variety? There's no judgment. We're all different. When you can know that, you could pretty quickly, easily discern because entrepreneurship is not a merry-go-round, it is a roller coaster. And you know, we live for the exciting drops, but the lows are horrible. They suck. The lows really suck and the highs are really fun. And we live for those highs and those drops. But the reality is you never know when the next drop is coming and you don't know how long you're going to be down there. And you, you have to be okay with getting yourself back up that hill, if you will, and using the momentum and energy to get yourself back up the hill from that last drop that you came off of. And for some people, just even hearing that, it's exhausting. It sounds nauseating. They're like, no, no, get me on the Ferris wheel. Get me on the the predictable merry-go-round of the same thing over and over. And again, it's without judgment. So number one would be knowing, knowing yourself and really becoming aware. I think a second question to ask yourself is, the word freedom gets thrown around a lot and people throw around financial freedom and location, freedom, time, freedom, career, freedom, but really there's freedom of the mind. And so what, what is freedom to you? And also what is success to you? Because even that word and the definition of that word for you probably has changed over the years. You know, there was a long time where for me, 10 years ago, when I started online and with uh, network marketing, success probably was making a sale or getting on a sales call, cold calling somebody that I had gotten their phone number and just get putting myself out there, putting up a post. Then my definition of success changed to maybe 10 K a month or hundred K a month or multiple six figure launch or seven figure year like that kind of finish line keeps getting moved. And so the definition of success keeps getting moved. And if you're anything like me, you maybe have experienced moments of almost burnout or full blown burnout and and health issues. And so in those chapters of my life, success had nothing to do with money and it had everything to do with health and happiness and relationships that I had felt like I'd burned. So I think asking yourself, you know, what is success for you in this season? Again, without judgment, what is freedom to you in this season? And can you have that success and freedom without? Being an entrepreneur? Like, can you actually just have that fulfillment in your current life that you're living? And if the answer is no, maybe that's a reason to kind of dance around this idea of entrepreneurship, but then also asking yourself the questions of what would it really require? What does it really take? What does being your own boss mean? Because, like we said before, it's not easy. And there's a lot of things that you have to do that you don't want to do. Mm -hmm. I was a personal trainer for 18 years. 18 years training celebrities and magazines and tv and all that and clients used to say to me all the time like i just love fitness so much i'm i'm obsessed with my soul cycle class at 5 p.m. on monday i want to become an instructor and without raining on anyone's parade it was you know always my my job i felt like it was my due diligence to say that's great and i'm really excited for you i just want you to realize like you're not going to get to go to 5pm soul cycle anymore becoming an instructor now it's a job and you're going to be teaching at that time or yeah. you're going to have a client at that time and so when the the passion or the hobby becomes a job like coaching it's very yeah. different and it's not yeah. all rainbows and sunshine so it's it like is- do you actually want to do that stuff that's required
0: yeah it is a lot of work um, I started, I always have to tell my guests a little bit of my story since you guys have no clue who I am, yeah. but, um, my journey began almost 10 years ago because I was really depressed. I was broke and I started my self-development journey and, um, I don't have friends. I didn't then, I still don't now cause I have trust issues. Um, but I started sharing everything that I was learning in books and classes and things like that, um, on YouTube. So that's how I started. And then it evolved into people asking me for coaching. Can you be my mentor? And that's kind of how I got into this space years ago, right? Before it was trending, but it is so much work. Like I just want to skip to the good part, like everybody else, right? I want to stay in my zone of genius and just coach people all day. But as a solopreneur, that's not how it works right no. because there's there's the email campaigns there's customer service relations there's you know paying the bills and making mm-hmm. sure all the softwares and all the things that we use actually get paid on time we got to file taxes and it's it's so much <laughs> more than yeah. just working with people every day now it's cool if you are in a position to hire a VA or some type of other, you know, in-person assistant, but, you know, you have to really build up to that, especially if you don't have that capital. So courses, I really want to talk about courses, um, since your business helps develop courses, right? Um, Because I love a good old course, But what is the, there's a very, um, it's, it's like what six or 7% of people actually complete the during course. Is that what the statistic is? I think it's like six or 7% is really, really low. Yeah. So what is the, what is the blueprint when it comes to creating a a very effective course? Yeah. Um, Is there a process in, in, uh, that you take your clients through?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, we are mostly doing group coaching. So there's a live coaching component to it. So it's not just an evergreen course. I -hmm. would say if you are going to do something like an evergreen course, I would deeply encourage you to run it live multiple times before you turn it into a course, because that's where you're going to get the best results, completion, feedback, testimonials, et cetera, and you can make tweaks moving forward as needed. Um, With courses or coaching programs, specifically coaching programs, we teach that there are four C's to success there. So the first one would be, of course, the content. The content is where they're doing learning. So learning is where you're teaching. Teaching and coaching are two very different things. Mm -hmm. So the content could be in the form of videos, audio, workbooks, PDFs, checklists, so on and so forth. The client is really expected to do that work on their own time. You as the coach or facilitator might be telling them when to do it because it's homework, or you might be telling them, uh, dripping it out to them if it's an evergreen course. So they can't get access to the next thing until they complete the first thing. So the content is where they're learning the material, the coaching, which is a second C would be the back and forth Conversation that you and I are having. My hands are in your transformation. Um, you have ability to talk to me or other coaches or other people on my team, whomever that might be. You have the ability to talk to other people that are in the program to do peer-to-peer learning, accountability, and support. So that's in the coaching. The third C would be in the community, which I believe is a huge, huge, huge part of people's success, especially in something that is evergreen that does not have coaching. So if you are launching courses without coaching, I think the community is one of the most important parts there. And you as the facilitator want to encourage your community to really lean on each other, to be hosting their own Zoom calls, to find their own accountability partner, to put themselves into little accountability pods. You could put your people into teams as they enroll in your course and have like friendly competitions and sort of gamify the experience, even with little things like. The first week they're in the course, there's a bingo board that they fill out and they could win like an Amazon gift card. And on that bingo board, it might be simple things like introducing yourself to the Facebook group or reaching out to someone and connecting or submitting your first piece of homework, whatever that might be, but it's giving them an incentive to do the work so that they're not falling off quickly. And then the fourth C is going to be continuing education. So I believe, especially with something like an evergreen course, a huge part of the people who do complete it oftentimes will fall off after because they don't get continued support after or with a coaching program. They have so much love and support and hand-holding during the program. And then they graduate and you sort of push the bird out of the nest and wish them luck. So we lean heavily on continuing education, whether that's continued support in a Facebook group. We actually offer monthly workshops for free for our alumni. We have a digital directory. We host reunion calls. Um, We continue to coach our clients through email for free. And so we give them different things to think about prompts checklists training so on and so forth based on where we know that they are. So for us the four Cs whether it's a coaching program or a course they're going to be the content that they're learning the information, the coaching that they're getting that back and forth and maybe if it's a course they don't have that, the community which they can then use each other and then the continued education after they graduate the program. In terms of making sure that someone doesn't fall off or not complete something, the key here is every single lesson, every assignment Every time they log in, there should be a transformation and a win. If someone can have a tangible win within moments of buying, moments of buying, they won't have that buyer's remorse and they won't have the feeling of overwhelm and stress. And I just, I can't do this. I have to throw on the towel. So the moment somebody purchases... You want to give them something that they can immediately have a tangible win and feel really good about themselves and sort of pat themselves on their back and say, wow, like I did the first thing. I'm so good at this. I'm, I got this. I can do this and giving them, especially if it's a course check markers and sort of pro like trackers along the way that they can continuously show up for themselves with little easy assignments that are like, I did it. Good job. Gold star. I did it. Good job. Gold star. The moment that they feel that they don't get a gold star or that they didn't complete something. And maybe that's just because your first video was too long and they didn't have 15 minutes to watch the whole thing. And if they didn't finish it, they've already told themselves now that they're a failure and what's the point.
0: Wow. Okay. So do you suggest like that first video should be under like five minutes or around five minutes?
1: Yeah, I would say definitely under five minutes and giving them something that they can tangibly do. Yeah. Even if in the video, you leave them with a question to answer in their mind and, and you can say it in the video. Great. So if you just answered that question right now, you've successfully completed the first video. Congratulations. I'm so proud of you. Go ahead and move on to the next one. And it's like, yes, I did it.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay. So there are so many people who want to create courses, right? We know this. And and some people have no business creating a course because they have no <laughs> idea what they're doing, but we're talking to the people who actually have something to offer, right? To the marketplace. So, but what I find is that so many people get caught up in the little things. They want mm-hmm. to have the whole puzzle done, before they even begin. Yeah. And they don't know how many modules the course should be, how long should each video be. And they just get caught up in all of these things. Yeah. So what do you say to the person so that that so that they can just get started? What would your advice be?
1: Yeah. Gosh, that's probably one of the most common mistakes that people yeah. make um, is is even building it out before you sell it. That's the most common mistake is building it before you sell it, which I know sounds really counterintuitive and sort of scary. But if we look at courses or programs and we think of them like homes, and if you think of the layers of the home, the first thing we have is like the the plywood and the skeleton, the framework of the home. And then we lay down the flooring and the fancy tile, and then we put in the cabinets, and then we do the quartz countertops, and then we do the couches, and then we do the window treatments.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Most people are coming at their course or coaching program directly to the window treatments. They're doing it backwards. They're like, I want the prettiest bells and whistles and I need a fancy website and a sales page, right? All the things that you're saying and a cute name for the program, who cares what the name of it is if you don't even know who you're selling it to. Right. We get to, we don't have to, we get to do the really boring foundational stuff first, just like building a house. It's not the most exciting part of the house, the framework and the installation, but without the framework and the insulation, we can't have the other pieces. So the framework and installation for your business, your coaching business would be, and I I hear you, I can hear you eye rolling already, but it's what, who do you help? What do you serve? Yes. What do you do? What is the transformation that you yourself have been through or that you help clients through? So really it's what's the niche and who's the ideal client, right? How do you speak to that ideal client? What are their actual pain points? Where is their pleasure point? Where are they trying to go? You know, another common mistake, huge mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs and coaches make, is they they focus and sell the deliverable, the course, rather than the transformation, yeah. which is the island. So if your client is currently on island A, where it's raining and cold and miserable, and they want to go to island B, where it's sunny and warm and beautiful, most of us are too focused selling the airplane. And if you've ever taken an airplane on a trip somewhere. That's not the exciting part. Like sitting in the airport, going through baggage claim, waiting for the thing and the airport. all That's not the fun part. The fun part is when you get there. The fun Mm -hmm. part is when you're on the beach, when you're having a cocktail or a mocktail. So we're focused on the wrong thing. To your point, how many modules? We're focused on the name of the program. No one wants to do the work. That's why we have you know, diet pills. It's like, how, how can we get the result faster? Not how can we sit on the plane longer? So the foundations for your business are really, what is the problem that you solve? Who do you solve it for? Who do you not solve it for? At that point, can you use the market research from speaking to those people to use their language, to talk in their verbiage about their pain points? Not what you want to say, not what you think is best, not what is trending but what they're actually going through. So from the foundations of your niche and ideal client, you move into messaging. When you can really understand how to effectively message and speak to your ideal client, you then move into the marketing, which that would be using social media to validate that what you're offering is what they want, to validate that the way that you're speaking about it is in a way that resonates. Once you've validated it, then you move into the teasing of it. Now you're building hype like Hollywood does, right? I mean, 14 years we waited for Avatar, but you're building hype, right? You're building, building hype. What's going on? You get them involved. You get your audience to buy in by making micro commitments. So when you're creating an asset on Canva, whether or not you actually choose what they vote on, you let your people vote. So have them vote on the color and the name, what it looks like, because then when you go from, so first we validated, then we tease, that's showing the behind the scenes. When you go into the third phase, which is promotion, Hey, it's here. Doors are open. Join me. They're interested to see what you picked. Psychologically, they had buy-in. They want to know they made a micro commitment, even if they're not ready to join your program, they want to see how it turned out. So we go from that foundations to the messaging, to the marketing, to the finally the promotion and the sales at which that point, do not build anything until you have sold it. Do not create a video, do nothing until you sell it.
0: Yeah, yeah, That that's, um, I think that that's key because I have done it that way many, many times, but I also wanna speak to a mistake that I made, right? So when you are, Preparing and pre selling a thing, make sure that you have everything in the back end set up. Yeah. Right. You got to work on that too. You can't just pre sell and say, oh my God, this is going to be your transformation. I can't, this is going to be launching X, Y, and Z. But if you don't have it set up, <laughs> <and> you're, <laughs> you're not <gonna> actually <laughs> working on it as yeah. you are going on, you know, on this six week, eight week, whatever campaign. What's going to happen is you're going to get overwhelmed and in your mind, you're like, okay, I have it all right here. It's all right here. And I know every single module, I know what my talking points are going to be, but none of it's written down. None of it's put into a system. Girl, I made that mistake before. And I was like, oh, and I think part of me was like, I don't even know if anybody's going to buy it, but then people did buy it. And then I was like, oh, crap. So in my head, I had it all worked out, but it really wasn't. Once I started putting it on paper, I'm like, what the hell is this? This isn't good enough. (laughs) So don't make that mistake, right? Do not make that mistake because it was was horrible. And I was late delivering is what happened. So then I had to do some other free stuff um, because I I, I couldn't fulfill on the committed day. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And we learn and we learn from that. So it's a beautiful lesson that you learned, I'm sure, in an uncomfortable way that you now get to pass down to other people. So yes, yeah. yeah, simultaneously when you're doing that validating, teasing, and and yeah. promoting on the front end, on the back end, yes, you should be setting up your legal and your checkout and your welcome yeah. emails and all that. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. It's so much. Mm-hmm. It is so much. So do you recommend that a person does all the does the everything? They be every woman in their business. Like, what would you recommend? Um, because I know that writing, I hate writing emails. Yeah. I don't like writing captions. I, I don't like do. I just want to coach. I just yeah. want to mentor, you know what I mean? Uh, I don't want to build a website. I don't want to create graphics because I don't have that eye. So what yeah. would you say to that person um, who yeah. is wanting to get like, do I need to hire someone? Just work yeah. the band-aid off?
1: Yeah. This is my belief. It's my opinion that I've sort of created over the last however many years in this industry. I think that there's a difference between being a coach and being an entrepreneur. And (laughs) I think there are a lot of people who love coaching and who just want to coach and who want to serve and who want to be on calls and mentoring people. And that's not what being an entrepreneur is because, you know, I run a company and we've got a, we have a team, we've got full-time employees, we've got part-time employees. We have an entire staff of coaches. And what I do the least is coach. (laughs) <laughs> so that's by choice. And that's by design that we've moved things around so that I could be the CVO. Um, but I'm not a CEO also by design. I don't want to be a CEO. And I think there's a misconception there. Everyone calling themselves a oh, CEO day. I'm like, you don't even have a team. You're not a CEO. You're a right. solopreneur. Right. So it's, I'm not throwing shade. There's just, there's a very big difference. So there's an in-between and it's called being an intrapreneur. An mm-hmm. intrapreneur is someone who works in somebody else's business. So we have a whole team of coaches, They come in, they coach, and they leave. They don't have to do marketing. They don't have to write emails. They don't have to do anything but coach. And so for them, it's this perfect blend of getting to do what they love without having to do all the other things. When you're an entrepreneur and you're running a business, you're probably not going to be coaching a lot unless you are outsourcing every single thing and you're sitting in the coach's seat, but you're still the founder. You're still telling the ship where it's going to go. Do I think that people should do it alone or should they hire a team? I think everybody's different in my experience, we all start as solopreneurs, Yeah, but I also don't think everybody should be a leader. And I don't think everybody should be a CEO or a CVO or see anything, um, which is something that I've learned as well. Like, I don't want to be the CEO. That's not fun. That's not the place that I want to sit. Now the visionary officer, that's definitely more my style because I still get to come in with the ideas. I'm the visionary. I'm the founder. I'm still a coach. I'm still, you know, leading those people, but also the majority of my time is spent leading and managing my team and whether that's our internal team or our team of coaches or yes the clients I'm still the content creator I'm the one I'm a Canva addict so I <laughs> I'm always in Canva I love doing yeah. the graphics um but I'm still I write the emails I'm in the DMs you know and some of this is by design and some of this is by where we're at right now I do think that we all start as solopreneurs I do think most of us hire too late So Mm -hmm. we do want to hire slow and we want to fire fast, but I do find that most of us wait too long to hire. We end up hiring from a place of desperation, need, scarcity, lack. It's just like, I'll take the first person that can help me. I don't care if they're the right person for the right seat. I just need help because I'm drowning rather than growth and and abundance and forward thinking of where I'm going. So hiring sooner and thinking about where you're going rather than hiring for where you're at in this sort of desperation. I've made that mistake many times. Um, and you don't need to be making a million dollars to hire people. You don't have to have 50K months to hire something, someone part-time. And it's going to be different for everybody. So people often ask, you know, who should your first hire be? I think it's different for everyone. In me, in my world, uh, for me, I needed help with like, almost like my life first. It was like, I just needed stuff off my plate. So yeah. the first person that I had hired technically I had hired some coaches to help me lead and manage our clients and make sure the customer support and fulfillment, all of that was happening. But my first real true hire was like an executive personal assistant. And she knew when she came onto the team, you are above nothing, you were below nothing, and you were willing to do anything. And there were days where she was running to the post office and there were days where she was helping me build funnels. You know, yeah. It was kind of like, you're just going to do wherever I need you to yeah, do at this moment. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where I think I am. I need an assistant and a housekeeper. (laughs)
1: Yes. That's what I'm saying though. Taking stuff off your plate from life. Like it's, you know, and I think that's the thing too. People put this pressure on themselves in business that I have to hire fill in the blank, a graphic person, a social media person, a funnel builder, an email person, a COO. No, maybe you just need meal prep company. Yeah, Maybe you need a babysitter to help out once a week. Maybe you need uh, someone to come clean the house to free up that just the brain space alone that it takes, yes. right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Um, I think that's the the space that I'm transitioning into because I cannot do everything.
1: Yeah, because
0: I am the type of person when I get overwhelmed, I completely shut down, shut down, oh, and nothing down. gets done. <laughs> that's good for no one. Yeah. So I think I'm just to that point where I need an assistant. I need someone who can. Be a mini me, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and is willing to just get the freaking job done.
1: Well, you said it. I'm going to hold you to it now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's clearly that's just where I am. Yeah. Uh, but also, I want to make a point that in the beginning of your. I don't know, give me your opinion on this, but I, I think, and this is hindsight, I was obviously just going through life and working my business, but I think you should always have an exit strategy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to work for the rest of my life. I don't know about you, but I want to have my business, yes, but I don't want to be an employee of my business for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. Yep. So I think we need to have at least an idea of where do we put a pin and what is our exit strategy going to be? Is it going to be we completely dissolve the business, we sell the business, or do we just pass it on to a CEO and you know yeah. a, a team of people? How important do you think beginning with the end in mind is when Everything. it comes to your business? Everything.
1: Yeah. Every single thing we teach, even down granular to when you're writing a piece of content, It's what do you, what call to action? Like, what do you want the reader to do? Or how do you want them to feel? Everything we do, we start with the end in mind. We reverse engineer everything, every monetary goal, every launch, everything. So I love that you're saying that because I do think most people are just looking at the today and making fast cash today, which is great. And it doesn't mean, like you said, you don't have to build a company to sell. It doesn't have to be some like big exit strategy with valuations and EBITDA, right? But it's like, what's the next step? Are you going to be doing this in five years? There's nothing wrong with that. But to your point, I do think, and I made this mistake. A lot of times these solopreneurs turned to entrepreneurs. One day you turn around you go, well, this is weird. I just, I have a job. I'm just my own boss, but like I've created a job for myself. Nothing has changed. It's just on my own boss. And I can probably do cool things with the taxes, right. To write Mm -hmm. some stuff off. Which is great. And maybe that is your strategy. Maybe that is you just want to be your own boss forever. And that's awesome. I know for us, we are more interested in, I think building to sell would be really cool. I don't think it's the coaching space for me that we would be building anything to sell. Um, I think at a point, the coaching stuff would probably sort of just dissolve and, and evolve into the next thing. But in the meantime, it's how do we make the money that we're making work for us and make more money. And so cool. The coaching space is we're making incredible impact and incredible income. So what we're doing with that income is now turning around and putting it into places that are helping us make more money and create assets in other areas. So that, yeah, maybe in a couple of years, we can sort of evolve away from I say just coaching, but I'm not saying it in like a just coaching with quotes, but we can evolve away from just coaching to now offer other things, or maybe it's building a company to sell or physical products or whatever that next evolution is, which is why we name the company digital business evolution, right? Because we're always evolving and growing, but yes, I think an exit strategy is hugely important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So before we let you go, I always ask two questions. The first question is, do you have a morning or night routine and what does that look like? Yeah, I love this
1: question. If you asked me this five years ago, I would have like laid out to the minute, everything that I did, it was super strict. And I did that for about eight to 10 years until I realized that it became a to-do list and it was no longer serving me for the purpose that it was supposed to. So I have things that I do and I have tools in my toolbox. I have non-negotiable time to myself in the morning, Um, but what I do in that time is a little bit different. So I definitely move every day, even if it's just a walk. I mean, years ago, I used to do bodybuilding competitions. So it's like, if I wasn't laying in a puddle of sweat, throwing up, I wasn't a good enough workout. Now I'm like, it's just, I just got to move last night. I took dance class. Right. So there's movement every day. I typically do it in the morning because I like morning workouts. Sometimes I journal. It's not every single day. It's most days. Most days I meditate, probably five to six days a week. I meditate. Sometimes it's five minutes. Sometimes it's an hour and 15. I'm a little bit more fluid with that. Mm -hmm. And then I have tools in my toolbox. Um, I read, I try to read every day. I love reading. I listen to podcasts every day, but sometimes I'm doing breath work. Sometimes I do EFT tapping. Like it just kind of depends. I'm in a season, I'm almost 40. So I'm just kind of like a take what I need, really listening to like what my body wants, but there's definitely movement. And some internal, whether it's breath work or meditation, and then sometimes journaling, but yeah, it's not super strict. It's just, I do have a one to two, one to three hour block in the morning. That is, it's mine. It's mine. I wake up at five um, okay. and, I, and I don't need to, cause I'm my own boss. Right. But I like to get up. I like to, I think before 7. AM is like the most magical time of the day.
0: Yeah. So we, we have some, I think the earliest I've heard as far as 4.30 AM. Wow. And I think the latest I've heard so far is noon. Noon, wow, that's,
1: I'm like, I just got anxiety.
0: Like the day is halfway <laughs> over. <laughs> we had one person say that she just gets up whenever she wants to. Her rest is the most important thing thing to yeah. her in the day. And I'm just like, okay, girl. Yeah,
1: I mean, I get it. But even even on the weekends without an alarm, I'm still up at like six six thirty. I'm just a morning girl. person.
0: Yeah. Even when I say okay, I'm going to sleep in. Me too. Eight o'clock.
1: What? <laughs> I know sleeping in for me is like seven thirty. My husband's like,
0: I thought you said we were going to sleep in. <laughs> I did. I did. It wasn't it wasn't five. Right. Your body just wakes up naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I love that you say that you love to read because as do I. And that was my next question. Do you have one or two books that you would recommend to the audience?
1: Oh my gosh. I'm such a book nerd. And for the record, I didn't used to be. It's taken me years to get to this place. I actually have an entire portal of books that I love, all of them on there. I have read, they're broken into, I think, eight categories. So we have like health and mindset and spirituality, but then there's business and copywriting and mm-hmm. marketing and sales. Anyway, it's free and I can totally gift that to you. So it's all oh, these books that I love absolutely. and, and I wasn't planning on doing this, but I didn't know we were going to talk about it. I also have a speed reading training in there. So if you want to get stronger at reading, not just about speed, but like really comp, like understanding what you're reading. How how many times have we read a page? Like four times and you're like, what did I just read, right? What the hell? (laughs) Yeah. So I have a training in there. You can grab that. It's super fun. But what would be some of my favorite books? Oh gosh. Oh, there's so many in different seasons. So anything Dr. Joe Dispenza, I think is just, he's like my favorite. Becoming Supernatural changed my life a couple of years ago. Really? Mm -hmm. My husband Uh, and I read um, Secrets of a Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker every year on New Year's. We just like love to go back to that as a little refresher. So I love that one. Alex Hermosi's $100 million offers is a fabulous business book. If you haven't read that one yet, that's great. I have so many that I like.
0: Yeah, same. Me too. I love uh, Secrets of, of the Mirror*. I have uh, two copies of that one. Do you? I've read that one multiple times. I freaking love that book. But everybody who is an avid Align and Grow Rich listener, they know my book of choice is um, Think and Grow Rich. Oh,
1: that's uh, so
0: good. Yeah, that's, that's the book that started the whole thing for me two years ago.
1: Yeah,
0: it was that book that that taught me that I had the power to create my reality, right? That's awesome. Um, I came from a very religious background. And so I thought that I had to go outside of myself to achieve anything. And I felt like my life sucked because God was punishing me. It was ridiculous. And so Think and Grow Rich is the book that said, no, that's not the case at all. So yeah, that's, everybody knows that though.
1: (laughs) I love that. That's awesome that's on my list. That one's on there. It's a good one. one yeah, of my it, it,
0: I have five copies of it. That's how wow. deep it is for me. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any closing remarks, anything that you want to leave the listener with? If you had to surmise and, and leave or say one sentence yeah. to the listener, what would that be?
1: Mm. Oh, there's so many things I want to say. I'm going to end with one of my favorite quotes, which is by Steve Jobs. And he said, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking back. And we get to trust that the dots will appear. So I love metaphors and analogies. And I see this as a river and inside the river, there's stepping stones. And this river, this, this, this journey of life is us crossing the river, which is funny because we're all in a rush to get to the other side. When the reality is the other side is when you're no longer here. So we're in the river. We're in the river and the destination is in the doing, right? It's in the river. And when we're in this river, these stones that we step on as we move forward, sometimes we actually have to move backward and sideways and you step on one and it's wobbly and you slip and your foot gets wet, or you find out that the you know fallen tree branch has algae and you slip. And our job inside the river is just to communicate with each other and say, Hey, you know, I found this really big rock over here. We could fit a bunch of us. Let's hang out here or watch out for that one. It's wobbly. And, and again, sometimes you have to go back and when we're on this journey, especially in business, we're so focused on the other side and the goal that's in front of us that sometimes we forget the things okay. that we've learned along the way, the people that we've met along the way, the, the classes that we've taken, the jobs that we've had, and we leave them behind us thinking that they don't serve us anymore. And the reality is Every single person that you meet, every experience that you have, every failed launch that you have, it's teaching you a lesson. It's giving you a tool, something that you can take with you in the future. And you can't connect the dots looking forward. We don't know what's ahead of us. We can only see what's behind us. So if you can look at all these things as like tools inside your toolbox and just trust that one day, surrender faith one day, they will appear and it will all make sense. And you'll go, oh, oh, that's why I met that person or that. I remember that podcast from four years ago that I listened to. And then boom, all of a sudden it's in your reality there's just a level of detachment that we get to really practice and play with. So I would encourage you to detach a little bit.
0: Absolutely. And how can the listeners find you?
1: Yeah. So I'm on all the, all the places wherever you can find me, hang out with me on Instagram. I am Jessica DeRose. Send me a DM. Let me know that you're listening to the podcast episode. It is me. I voice memo with everybody. I love chatting with everybody. We've got our podcast, digital business evolution. We are on YouTube, but we are on TikTok. Like everywhere. We're everywhere. Um, If you want to grab that reading vault that we call it. So all the different books that I love, I'm sure you could put that in the show notes, but it's at jessglazer.com slash reading vault. That's the speed reading training. Um, And yeah, just come say hi on socials. We've got all sorts of programs and masterminds and courses and stuff that you can come be a part of if you're interested. And if not, just come check out our free content.
0: All right. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jess, for coming. I would love to have you back for part two, because I just feel like 45 minutes is just not enough time. It's I talk, never I talk enough a lot. Time. I talk a lot. <laughs> no, And so do I. And so do I. <laughs> so we'll definitely have to get you back. Um, I really appreciate you for coming and I'm sure we will talk and uh, connect soon.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I never remember how to end this. <laughs>